and even at the end of it, which was the scariest thing I think I've ever done, you brought me out to evaluation. I thought we were going to look at the vacant property, and the next thing, the door opened, there's the owner, and you were like, hi, I'm Owen, and James from Owen Riley. So today on our podcast, we're joined by Owen Riley, estate agent. Owen started his business 15 years ago, and now has four offices in Dublin, two in the Grand Canal Dock, Ballsbridge, and Portobello. Um, Owen is one of the most rising, I feel anyway, one of the best estate agents in Dublin. And I think that's proven by his recent award that you got from Property Industry Awards for Best Residential Agency. Congratulations, Owen, and uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you, James. Happy to be here. I, I was joint winner, actually. Um, so Forget about that, Owen. Unusually. <laughs> but yeah, no, delighted, delighted for the team that we, uh, we got some acknowledgement from the industry. Good stuff. Well, before we start, I suppose you're the first person outside of the Cork area that I've had on the podcast. Um, so I kind of want to give people a little bit of background as to why I'm interested in interviewing you. A couple of years ago, I don't, I can't even remember how many years ago I emailed you. Do you? A couple of years ago, I'd say, yeah. We were, we were kind of either coming to the end of COVID or in the middle of it. Um, middle of it, I'd say. Yeah. But I, I basically co-called you and asked if I could come up and hang around with you. Um, and I think I actually had to put in there that I'm not a psychopath because we didn't really know one another. But I really admired your social media and everything you were doing for business. So you came back and said, yes, no problem, and invited me up to your office. And I must admit, on you just totally embraced the whole thing. You brought me right into it, right into your office, into the middle of the meetings. And we went for going for lunch, meet your friends. Uh, and even at the end of it, which was the scariest thing I think I've ever done, you brought me out to evaluation. I thought we were going to look at the vacant property. And the next thing, the door opened, there's the owner. And you were like, hi, I'm Owen and James from Owen Riley. Absolutely amazing. And it's something that I really admired about you, that you were so open to that. So from there on, my admiration even grew. Um, but as I said, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background as to how we're here. And even though I do a Cork podcast, I'm glad to have the first dub on. So thank you for that. Very welcome. I'm, I'm a mead man, by the way, living in Dublin. But anyway. Well, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were one of the first agents to locate within the Dublin Docklands. Uh, you took a bit, of, a bit of a gamble there. You obviously saw the potential. Um, I think b before we kind of get into Docklands, why don't you kind of give us a small brief history about your life in the state agency and how you got into it? So I came into the industry in uh, 1999. Um, I was uh, at a bit of a loose end, to be perfectly honest with you. And um, I joined, um, I initially started working with a, an estate agency in, in Navan, um, in County Meath, where I'm from called um, Gavigan's, Michael Gavigan. And um, I was very lucky to join Michael. He was a great mentor to me, uh, took me under his wing. The Gavigan's and the Rileys went back a long way. Uh, so he took, he took a chance on me. And after spending a couple of years with Michael, where I got a great understanding of the, you know, kind of the fundamentals of the business. And I suppose the professional world having left the, the student world, I joined Guns in Dublin. 
and Gunn at the time was it was a market leader was was right up there with Sherry Fitz uh, in terms of how they were competing with one another and I joined them as a junior negotiator in their Lucan branch and subsequently then worked in their Rackgar uh, Balls Bridge branches um, then in the mid noughties I joined um, the New Homes division of Gunn and CBRE CBRE was the commercial arm of Gunn and uh, they started a new homes uh, joint venture called Gun New Homes. And uh, I subsequently became a, a director of that business. And during that time, we sold some very large, uh, high profile new home developments, including um, Adamstown in West Dublin, um, which was a huge project. And uh, would you believe in at the first launch, we sold 330 homes in a weekend, the largest new homes launch ever in Ireland. Um, so it was, and Guns was just a fantastic place um, to learn the business. Um, you know, some high profile people there in the industry, like Pat Gunn, but like Willie Downing, um, Ronan Webster. And it was just a great place to, um, you know, kind of cultivate my knowledge and expertise in the marketplace. Very good. So when you went down 15 years ago, so you decided to go on your own uh, and you went to the Docklands and we're going to get into the Docklands because obviously the similarity between the development in Cork at the moment of the Docklands in Dublin it was quite brave to go down the Docklands because it was probably underdeveloped and not what it is now sure um, but I think I think anyone could see the potential um, as it happens I bought an apartment off the plans in, in Docklands in, two, in 2005 and moved into it in 2006 so I, I had been living there about 18 months when, when um, the decision came to, to go out on my own, which really happened very quickly. Um, I had noticed a, a slowdown in activity in 2007, uh, and I felt that a slowdown in the market was coming. I, I didn't predict the collapse that we saw. And mm. just very quickly over a few months, I thought, you know what, I think I'll go out on my own. And uh, I was uh, leaving Docklands one morning to go into work and uh, a sign went up in an office and it just it just happened really quickly. So if, a few months after that sign went up, I was operating out of that office um, at Grand Canal Dock and we're, we're still here today. Stuff. Um, when you went down to Docklands, you see the development was going on in relation to Cork and our development, what pitfalls did you see or what mistakes they make that you think Cork could kind of really get ahead on down here? Well, looking back now, I think the um, Dublin Docklands was developed in a, a special uh, planning scheme, a strategic development zone. And, mm. um, and it gave developers certainty around height, density, use, etc., uh, and removed some of that planning uncertainty, um, which is a good thing. Um, however, the plan was completely lacking in ambition, in my opinion, in terms of height, um, density, and um, and really today, when you look at Docklands, you just really look at a, a, a real missed opportunity, in, in, particularly in terms of height. And, right. you know, it's one of the reasons why we have a housing crisis in Dublin today. The city has not embraced height. Um, other mistakes made, um, uh, there was too much office space or commercial space com com compared to residential space. About several years ago, we did a um, a piece of research and, and, and released a report on the quantum of office space we were building versus residential space. And we were building it. We built enough office space for 40,000 workers and enough residential space uh, for 5,000 uh, uh, workers or occupants. 
and just a complete uh, mismatch between the two. And and now while densities on on under built to rent um, planning guidelines have improved that density somewhat, there's still a huge um, uh, difference between the amount of office space we've developed and the amount of residential space we, we've developed. And that's why we've seen the kind of rent inflation we've seen in Docklands yeah. and throughout the city over the last 10 years. So you feel that height is the difference? If they could kind of... I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel the, 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 the STZ was completely lacking in, in ambition. Um, it was not flexible to react to shifts in the marketplace. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, it's not easy to review an STZ. So heights yeah. couldn't be increased. Um, uses couldn't be changed. Densities couldn't be changed. And I think that, um, you know, for the Cork Docklands, it should re- should really be ambitious. Uh, mm. It should ensure it doesn't. It, it keeps an eye on the quantum of commercial space versus residential space. It, there needs to be serious consideration given to the public realm. I, I'm quite critical of the public realm here in Docklands. Um, I think it needs to be improved um, significantly. There needs to be more focus um, on it, um, mm. and right down to the type of retail space you're putting in. Uh, one thing about walking around Dublin Docklands is you, you could be anywhere in the world in terms of the uh, some of the well certainly it looks like what you might see in the UK and I think that um, I, and I, I don't want to pick out one particular brand but you know there's there's, there's three or four spa shops in Dublin Docklands I'd much mm. rather see independent retailers operating in those spaces a bit like what you see in um, in Battersea uh, in London they really talk carefully there about the public realm. They've taught about the retail offering and they've definitely taught about the, the quantum of commercial space versus residential space. But has that got an awful lot to do probably with the cost of the rent that the likes of Spar because they're so big are the only ones that can really afford to go in there? Should they be kind of making those rents a little bit more affordable to keep the local businesses able to trade in there? That's that that that's a really good, that's a really good point. Um, but but sometimes independent uh, retailers are willing to pay the same rent. It's just that obviously the the landlord might feel there's more security with a, a bigger uh, company or a larger mm. corporation. Um, and and you know I get that. Um, but you you know you need a mix of offering. Like there's there's so many things uh, retail wise missing in Docklands that that you know I would love to see. Um, okay. Like you know I'd love to see more independent. Um, coffee shops and, and restaurants. And, and we do have those in Docklands. I would just like to see more of them. Yeah. Um, I visit a couple of your, docky, your coffee shops actually when I was up there. And every time I go up there, I try and go, what was that lovely one in the corner? Il Valentino. Yeah, lovely, lovely spot. And, they've done, and, and they've done great. And, you know, other, other chains have opened beside them and, and come and gone and they're still there today. And, you know, they have their own bakery in the basement. and. You know, there's a great independent restaurant around the corner uh, at Herb Street, a husband and wife team. So we do have those independent uh, business people here. As I said, I would just like to see uh, more of them. Like, for example, um, a a British chain of pub has just opened or opened about two years around the corner. You were giving out about that when I was up there. Yeah. And, you know, prior to that, there was a there was an independent uh, publican there and Mm. you know, I just think it's a real shame that uh, that chain have gone in there. Yeah, true. So getting into the, the whole reason again as to how we, how I first came upon you is your social media. So you, you have an award-winning social media platform and team. 
your social media is really, really strong. Um, what was it that decided you to kind of get into these platforms like TikTok? Because you were literally one of the first people I noticed really utilizing the TikTok platform. Yeah, TikTok has been really, um, it's been really interesting on TikTok. I mean, initially during the first lockdown, I, I decided to open a TikTok um, account as an, as an experiment, really. Um, obviously, it had been around years at that stage. Um, my perception was that it was all young people or the, the generation um, that's following me. So I opened a TikTok account anyway and, and did a couple of posts and I could not believe the level of engagement um, on, the, on the app. And, and as time went on then um, to, to further test it, I started listing properties on TikTok before I listed them anywhere else uh, with links to, to bio on the listing itself. And it started producing organic leads. Mm. And, and I think, you know, agents, um, we need to be able to produce um, views on our clients' properties and, uh, and leads outside of the main portals and, and traditional media. And it's, and it's about kind of a broad offering to clients. And certainly um, the level of engagement where uh, we're seeing on TikTok and, and on Instagram now in particular. So Instagram in the last 12 months have really um, changed um, how they're pushing their content, particularly videos and reels. So um, and they're really, really pushing that in response to the to the to the rise in pop popularity of TikTok. So. Instagram actually in the last 12 months have really, really upped their game and we've more followings now on Instagram than we do actually on TikTok. And, and every time I post uh, on those platforms, particularly now Instagram, we're, I'm receiving three or four direct messages from people who want to view these properties or discuss them further. Yeah, your, your POV videos are kind of, you're nearly renowned for those now, aren't you? They're kind of whipping through the property with the, with the camera. Um, Again, it's something that we have tried to embrace down here and we're kind of going down different angles and looking at different um, options. One of your ones that you always do is a day in the life. And I must admit, Owen, like most people that look at your day in the life would probably look at it and think, ah, like he stitched that together from a couple of days. I was with you. That's not, that's literally how you operate a day. It is exhausting. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess, you know, social media, when you think about it, is it's it's storytelling. Um, and we try to do the storytelling with the listings as well. But, you know, a lot of agents are, are their social media content is just check out my new listing um, uh, or, or check out this sale I closed. And and, and, and that's important and, and it needs to form part of a social media strategy, but it, it can't be, you know, 100 percent of it. So. I started the day in the life. Obviously, I, I observed other people doing a day in the life. And so I thought that, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm selling my and renting my clients properties, but I'm also selling my firm, my colleagues and myself. And I'm trying to give it, people an insight into me, my personality and, and how I operate. And also to, you know, younger people who might be considering coming into the industry. And so from that point of view, um, it, you know, it's worked really well. Uh, you know, the reaction is, is, is mixed. Um, I am putting myself out there, but I, you know, I've never been afraid to uh, step out of my uh, comfort zone. And I would certainly encourage um, other agents to, to do the same. I agree. But don't you find sometimes, I, I struggle with it sometimes, that there's a fine line between kind of professionalism and putting yourself out. Because 
I would like to think that I'm a humorous kind of person and, you know, in my life and that kind of guy. But when it comes to certain platforms and certain portrayals of how your business is, you have to kind of tread that line very, very softly. Yeah, and, so, and sometimes I, 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 I flirt on the edge. Um, but, you know, I was um, in a property last week in Dublin 4. I was one of five agents invited around to pitch for, for uh, this lovely couple's business. And they hadn't intended asking me, but they'd come across my, um, my uh, videos on Instagram. And um, so when I called around to, to meet this couple in their home, they uh, commented that they felt they already knew me. Um, mm. And you know, the, the, the Irish estate agency um, sector is, is ultra competitive. It's really competitive in Dublin. I know it's very competitive down in Cork. Right now, there's probably too many agents for the size of the market, as in the number of homes um, for sale. And in a game of inches, um, having the kind of social media presence I have and you know that kind of storytelling and giving people in, an insight into you. As I said, people buy into people. Um, and I think um, my social media presence has won me business in, in a game of inches competing with with other agents because I am generating in some cases thousands of views on my clients listings um, and I think that really is the future as well I think increasingly buyers and tenants are first going to see their new home on social media um, mm -hmm. it's it's their go-to ahead of other media outlets I 100% agree and I think that you know you are very far ahead I think for Cork, I think certain agents were, were kind of ahead as well. And it, it is kind of seen as a little bit, you know, out there. But I agree. I think it's way forward for business. I think social media is going to be a huge part of it. We just have to be used to it and live with it. Um, moving on. And a couple of things you, were, you touched on earlier, which you want to get back to. Number one was when you're selling your name and your business. Do you ever think that, you know, when you started a company, you were putting yourself under pressure by going with Owen Riley. Because for me, I think as Colbert and Co, I know when sometimes people come in, they're like, I'd like to speak to Mr. Colbert or I want to speak to James Colbert or is the owner here. Do you find that that kind of put a little bit of added pressure on your business, being Owen Riley and sometimes they come in looking for Owen? Yeah, I can, I can do. Um, I mean, one challenge of, of, of growing is, um, you know, um, certain clients that um, I've always dealt with that have always supported me want to continue to deal with me. But, you know, I have a great team in place and, and I, I'm certainly involved in every aspect of my business. I'm sure you saw that when you, when you spent a couple of days with me. But we always, work in, we always work in pairs here. And I guess having your name above the door, it comes with, it comes with pluses and minuses. I, I suppose um, my personal involvement can, can reassure clients, whether existing clients or, or potential new clients. Um, you know, some of the downsides can be um, occasionally people will go on, on social media and, and Google reviews and write something about the, the, the business that's, that's unfavorable and, and mentioning Owen Riley as the, as the company and, and perhaps forgetting it's a person as well. Um, so yeah. that's, that's, probably, that's probably one of the downsides. But I guess when you have your name above the door, the book stops with you. I'm, I'm ultimately responsible for, for everything. And I have to ensure I'm managing um, the processes that my colleagues are well-trained and understand um, what, is what is required 
and uh, ensuring we're always acting in our clients' best interest, but also treating buyers and tenants um, um, fairly. So it very much comes with with pros and cons. I, I considered other names at the time, and, and in the end, I just wanted to um, put my own name out there, try and build a brand, and, uh, and, and I've been working on building that brand ever since. Now you're doing well. So speaking about your busy lifestyle, I like, I was with you, as far as I can see, you never switch off, but I read recently that you switch off, you like to switch off, obviously with the family, which we won't get into, that's your family, but you said you like watching sports, uh, Leinster, Liverpool, and Mead. Now, like, I kind of get Leinster and Liverpool, but Mead, how's that switching off? Yeah, it's tough, tough times for Mead, um, Mead supporters. Um, our ladies team have done well in, in, in recent years. Um, I look, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in a time, the 80s and the 90s, where Mead were a dominant force, had some great battles with Cork, actually, in, mm. in all Ireland's um, and Mead won a couple and, and Cork won a couple as well. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's tough times for, um, for, for Mead fans. I love Dublin. I love living in Dublin. I'm never going to support the dubs. Fair play. Well done. The only problem now is you've got to get you away from Liverpool and Leinster. That's for a different podcast. Um, how do you kind of, you've got, it's got four offices now and we're going to lead into in a minute that I think you're hoping to spread outside Dublin. How do you find managing four offices now and possibly more in the future? Absolutely fine. As I said, I have a great team. Um, I think uh, we want to open on the north side, James, as soon as possible. Um, we're, we're scouting locations. Um, we're currently scouting for a branch in, in Dublin 6. And um, we'd love to work uh, open further in, in, in South Dublin. Um, but right now the priority is, is opening in, on the north side and uh, opening in Mead at some stage in the next 12 months. Uh, in Mead, I'm, I, I, it makes sense I'm from there. Mm. And um, in terms of whether my brand can travel or not, I probably started in Mead. Uh, right now I'm trying to find the right uh, business partner. Uh, what I'm certainly not going to do is open an office uh, would I have in the right team in place and the, and the right partner? You can have an office and the lights on, but unless you've got somebody there that is going to represent you and your brand and do it justice, you're better off just not opening. Absolutely. And, you know, you need someone who, who knows the local market, the dynamics, you know, as part of the community. And, uh, and you know, as principals in both our companies, you, 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 you can't be everywhere at the same time. Um, so, you know, in, in the past, I, I have opened branches before finding the right partner. I did that in Milltown, for example. So, you know, it's all about learning. And, and the, 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 what I love about the, the property sector is that you're learning every day. Um, you know, you're reacting th to things. And afterwards, you're thinking, well, I could have managed that better. And, and that's the thing. I, I suppose we're dealing with different properties and, and people every day and it is a people business and, and different personalities and you know you're constantly learning you hope as you get older and more experienced you're, you're making less mistakes um, mm -hmm. so certainly um, before we open outside Dublin we're going to find the, the right partner we've come close a couple of times now and just couldn't quite agree um, the fundamentals um, unfortunately but um, I'm hoping in, in 2024, if we're chatting this time next year, James, we're going to have at least a couple of other offices. And, you know, it's, it's an interesting one as well. Like it's, it's, it's obviously an ongoing 
uh, discussion within the sector do you need a bricks and mortar branch or not i'm a big mm. believer in them um i think they they cement yourself in the neighborhood you're looking to do business in and i think also you know your colleagues want somewhere to uh, base themselves to uh, develop their own knowledge expertise build up a, a camaraderie uh, and what have you so i'm a big believer in, in bricks and mortar branches you know i don't think you want them too close um and together um i i am conscious uh, our offices are quite close together but you know we, we opened in portobello because a lot of our docklands clients were, were were selling their apartments and buying houses in dublin eight and we opened in balls bridge because we we've been doing a lot of business in dublin four and we want to do more business in dublin four and i'm living around the corner from the office in balls bridge so that just made sense as well yeah we're, we're segueing into a kind of an awful lot of the questions that are kind of coming up here anyway and what you touched on there is a bricks and mortar and kind of you know where the business could be going where do you see estate agency auctioneering going in the coming years do you see it kind of going more along the lines of online or do you feel that the traditional auctioneer estate agent and services being provided are going to be a thing that's going to last for a while i think personal personal touch and and expertise and knowledge are always going to be really important i think that the advances we're seeing in technology are going to um help agents do more business um just like social media is is helping agents develop their own brands and further um i think that you know the likes of ai for example i think are going to allow agents do more deals in terms of where i think the industry is going um i'm surprised there hasn't been more change in recent years like if you look at the estate agency model today it's it's literally the exact same as when i came into the business um over 20 years ago in terms of um the only thing that has changed uh, arguably is is portals um social media and the brace of some other te- technological um tools like i remember going around taking pictures of houses and then getting them developed in the in the photoshop uh and and then sticking them on a piece of paper and, and putting them on the wall and our CRM management when I was supporting two agents in, in Lucan as their junior I'd be I'd be writing down Mr and Mrs Smith's name in a, in a little book and, and you know what it is they're looking for yeah. so but what I mean by that is that the the models are still very similar so if you're if you're a really good agent and you and you've built up experience expertise and a client base you've got a few options um, option one is you, you go out on your own like you and I have done and, and, and everything that goes with that. And, you know, you know, one thing I learned is there's a big difference between being a, a good estate agent and being a business owner. Mm. And, you know, you've got HR, you've got, you've got finance, you've got technology, you've got branches uh, and, and just everything that goes with that. Um, and, you know, I lost 70 grand year one. Uh, and and you know that that was a tough time and, and not everyone can afford to lose that amount of capital um mm. and then option two is you you stay long enough in a, in a company and hope they make you a director someday there needs to be another option for agents and i think that uh, option is 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 what you see in america where nearly all agents are like self-employed uh, contractors at working under a, a brokerage's brand um, and the brokerage brand or the estate agent brand supports them with technology, finance, um, admin, uh, front of house, office uh, space. 
and and that allows the agent to just do what they do best which is doing deals and, and growing their client base and now in those scenarios the age the, the commission is is very high it can be 70 to 90 percent but obviously mm-hmm. they're not getting paid a basic salary and, and other costs and i think that um there needs to be a model here that uh, allows agents to fulfill their ambitions without necessarily having to go out on their own and everything that goes with that. I 100% agree with John. And I think we're really on the same wavelength in that relation because I feel starting off, you've got, you know, rent, you've got, you've got your daft, my home, you've got social media platforms, you've got your rates, you've got your wages, you've, like it keeps on going, electricity bills, and everything's going up. The only thing that doesn't go up are fees. So if everybody is kind of paying out that money, it's an awful hard grind for somebody starting off. So I agree with you. If you put the structures in place for somebody and had all that CRM and all that infrastructure, and then they can just come in and sell properties in their area, they know, they know with clients that they know, I think it's definitely the way forward for, for estate agency. I think definitely in my area, and by the sounds of it in yours, I know. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that uh, it's not the model we're talking about is not for everyone. So it's it's certainly not for someone new coming into the industry because they need to, you know, develop their expertise and knowledge and their client base. But certainly for agents in their, you know, thirties, forties, and fifties, this is a model um, that I think would work. Um, we have a couple of agents working on um, a model that uh, that I would call is is not traditional, but they still have basic salaries and costs covered, but their commission rate for business they bring in themselves would be quite high, very high compared to um, industry uh, standards. I still haven't been able to find an agent who has the confidence and the client base to come in, work under this model, take home 80, 90% of the commission and, and not get any basic salary or basic cost paid. I still haven't found someone willing to willing I, to take that on. I think that'll come. I think it's, if you look at the bigger companies, their kind of whole system is really designed for bigger businesses to get bigger and the smaller guys are kind of getting squeezed out so i think that you'll find that the older agents as we point out that are kind of you know in the industry but don't really want to embrace the the social media world and all that just don't have the energy or the resources they're the people we're talking about i think they're going to be people are going to really benefit from that system yeah absolutely but um you know the it hasn't happened yet and i have to say i'm surprised at that and and perhaps um you're talking about young people that coming into the industry like the great thing because of social media and you know uh, programs like million dollar listing and selling sunset the interest from young people uh, to come into the property sector has never been higher and there's some great um apprenticeship programs and part-time study programs happening in dublin and i'm sure they're happening down in in Cork as well. So, um, mm. and I think with them, these, these are a generation who've already embraced social media, have, have no problem sharing what they do day to day. We were talking earlier about a day in the life and stepping out of your comfort zone. These these young people have no problem doing any of that and, and the storytelling that, that goes with that. So I think that um, the model has to change. Uh, I think change is coming. It just isn't coming as, as, as fast as I thought it would. You were, t- you were talking there about fees. You know, we've the, we've the lowest fees in Europe. Um, the cost of business is getting higher and higher. So margins within the sector are, are under pressure. Um, particularly now, 
Um, you know, a feature of the Dublin market right now is that uh, transactions are down significantly. Um, and, and to give you some context on that, James, in, in September, October and November, according to myhome.ie, the, the number of properties offered for sale in Dublin is down 23% on the same period last year. Um, oh. Our transactions here, we've had a good year, thankfully, but our transactions are down 18% compared with mm. the same period last year. So agents, fee revenue and margins are under constant pressure, um, particularly when you consider that all we're getting out of the, uh, the transaction is the fee. And we have an eat what you kill model. If you don't sell or you don't rent a property, um, you don't get any fee. Um, mm. That's something else I have a, a, have a problem with. Uh, so, for example, and, and, and this happens to all agents, you, you list a property for sale, you work really hard on providing a good service and trying to get the best result for your client, and that client uh, decides sometimes after going sale agreed, and maybe in some cases even where the, a person has signed a contract, they decide not to sell, and the agent is left with nothing. I just think mm -hmm. that's fundamentally wrong. Um, the agents should be getting something out of that, given the, the amount of time and effort they've put in. Well, I recently did a video on fees and then Jay will um, back me up on this. I pulled out of putting it up on social media for the simple reason that it seems very much like it was playing the poor mouth, but it wasn't. What I was trying to put across was, like you mentioned million dollar listings, and like I hope to God won't be coming out of college to go into your office go for a glass of wine at lunchtime and sit around chatting because they'll, they'll be for a rude awakening. But I, the, at the moment when it comes to fees, I broke it right down. And if you break it down into like when you take on the property, do your photographs, you know, the time spent between the admin, the viewings, say degree, dealing with the legals afterwards, I broke it down into no, it was less than minimum wage. Now, as I said, it comes across wrong because obviously it's on volume. So the more of those you have, the more profit you get. But I agree, like the amount of time and effort we put into a sale, but people just look at it and see, on oh, social media, it's a lovely property. It's not that much. It's supposed to be rolling in the can. Mm. There's an awful lot of effort involved in it. And I, I agree. I think that when it, it comes to somebody deciding that they don't want to sell or pull it from the market, there should be some cause in there where you're rewarded for your time alone. And, and I'm just talking your time covered here, some contribution to, 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 the, to the cost and, and the effort. And, you know, I believe in fairness and it's, it's, and it's just not fair. And the problem is if, if one agent decides to um, introduce some kind of a, an abort fee um, when they're providing a pitch to sellers in a very competitive market, it's very likely those sellers are going to just choose a different agent. Yeah. Um, so I think the... You know the the industry needs to come together and I, and I think it's perhaps something even the the property regulators should look at you know agents are under pressure uh, there, as you say there's a perception over um, the last few years that agents are are doing well and of course age some agents are doing well um, but it's just a really unfair model that uh, as you say you can put in all of this effort and at the end through no fault of your own be left with nothing and that's just fundamentally wrong yeah, um, we'll get into the rest of the questions because we've only got a couple left. But I'm, I'm, you know, you're a busy man. But you've been very vocal about portals, property portals throughout the years. Um, I'm with Janet. Saying I know a lot of agents are out there. Uh, you were the one that kind of really pointed out that 
property portals that do all the reports, they're getting that information from agents. Um, so you really try and head up the, the future as to how it should be where portals should be giving back more to the agents because they're ultimately making money from the properties we're providing. Talk to us a little bit about the, the property portals and how you, could, how you feel it could be better. Well, we're, there's a duopoly in Ireland between Daft and My Home. Um, they're the two most visited uh, websites, and they they are effectively the the, the marketplace. Um, agents have built up these portals with our listings, and um, and the most important thing in the in the portal world is the listing. Um, and thankfully, agents still control when and where a listing uh, appears. But of course, our clients want to be in the marketplace, um, and they want to be on Daft and My Home and other other platforms and they want to see a broad marketing approach to traditional like um, property media and the Irish Times, Irish Independent, Sign, social media, and of course the the, the portals. Um, you know, my view is that I feel the portals should be sharing more of the benefits of the online market with agents. Like they, they are monetizing our listings. They do plan to monetize the transaction and you know, I'm repeating myself now, but we have the lowest fees in Europe. We have a high cost uh, model. Margins are under pressure and agents need to be getting more out of the marketplace than just the just the fee. And the portals are monetizing our listings. They're monetizing our data and they're charging us to list on their portals. Um, and I just think, again, that's fundamentally unfair. I agree. And I think they're even pushing further into it with, you know, offering mortgages. They're teaming up with agents to kind of give valuations. So they're using your property. So if somebody inquires about my property and they say, do you want to sell your property? And they say, yes, they recommend another agent who's paid them to be on. And I, I find that fundamentally wrong. That as you point out, we're paying to go on there and they're using our info to give it to somebody else for money. It's, you know, it's, it's absolutely outrageous. And I think at the least, if they don't want to share the benefits of the online market, they quite simply should not be charging us to list on the mm -hmm. portals. And, you know, I think that um, as more and more of the transaction move online, agents need to get a stake in the online market. You know, I and others worked for a number of years trying to bring the industry together and try and make, uh, try and make a, 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 an agent-backed portal uh, emerge. And... A huge amount of time and effort was made in trying to make that happen. In the end, we were told by the regulator that there was a there was a conflict of interest there around mm. competition law and other things like that. What I would say is I am working uh, with other agents on a on a group with my home, uh, trying to see how agents can benefit more uh, from the online market. Um, in in the meantime, um, I have daft on looking for a twenty percent increase in my subscription. Um, mm. And, you know, I, 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 on the one hand, I admire Daft. Um, they're, um, they, they, they've done extremely well. They are doing very well. But I, I, I resent the constant price increases they're seeking from, from all agents. And right now they're seeking a 20% increase from me, which is totally unconditional. Um, and no other provider or, or contractor I'm working with is seeking a 20% increase. Uh, and again, I just think it's it's unfair and unwarranted. Yeah, and I think you should be checking or swabbing your gifts from Daft for Christmas again because um, you're very outspoken on that. But, you know, in fairness, when you do kind of stand up for us a little bit, and that's why we appreciate it. Um, a lot of new estate agents, as we mentioned earlier, getting into the business. What advice would you give a young Owen Riley getting into the business right now? 
I think find a mentor. Um, I'm very lucky. I've had some great mentors in, in my career. So I think you need to find a mentor, someone who's going to take the time to um, uh, train you in the fundamentals of being a good property uh, professional. You know, down to timekeeping, how you present yourself, how you market yourself, um, how you conduct yourself as a professional, you know, how to negotiate, how to list, how to close, everything from A to Z uh, in the whole entire process of selling and renting a property. Um, I think young uh, people need to be patient. Um, yeah. I trained for nearly three years. Uh, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but it, it, it really benefited me in the, in the long term. I think it'd be important not to be um, pigeonholed into one sector of the market. And what I mean by that is that I think it's important that you're doing sales and you're doing lettings in residential. I, th I think it's important you have some exposure to commercial as well, um, to new homes, to the development land, to retail leasing, office leasing. Um, having that broad knowledge uh, and expertise will be important if you decide to go into business for yourself uh, in the future. I also think all agents, existing agents and young agents should be really focused on personal branding. Um, so, for example, I have recently told uh, all our agents that they should have a personal uh, website page uh, about themselves, um, about them personally, about their expertise within the marketplace, with links to their uh, opinions on current market trends and their, and their current listings. All agents should be focused on personal branding. This is something that realtors in America are brilliant at. Um, mm. That's but something that Irish agents are lacking. And, and what I mean by that is that obviously most agents work underneath a, a brand and, and the brand is important. But at the end of the day, the person you're sitting in front of and pitching for their business are buying into you. And yeah. when you leave their home, they're going on Google and, and looking you up. And, and agents should have personal branding. And, and if I was still working for someone else, I would definitely have a, a personal branding page um, at this stage. And, and I've also told my colleagues, this is not something I'm going to pay for. Um, mm -hmm. This is something you need to build. And you, and you bring this with you uh, if you leave. Um, Correct. And I think that's something that agents really need to focus on. So I think you need to find a mentor. You need to learn the fundamentals of being a good property professional. You, you need to be patient and you need to focus on personal branding. And of course, personal branding is also social media and you know, you telling your story and being authentic and standing over it and, and making it making it interesting and 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 getting started. Um, and then what's important after that is the, you know, the frequency of it. And, and I always say to my team, if something's not in your diary, it, it's not going to happen. And I encourage my colleagues to put time in their diaries to focus on their social media presence and posting and, and the stories that they're that they're telling and and some of my colleagues are taking this on board and doing great things and some could do a some could do a little bit better but I think they all see the benefits of it now and and certainly I started uh, focusing on social media many years ago initially on on LinkedIn and, and more recently on TikTok and Instagram and I am really benefiting from that because that is I'm winning business exclusively on my social media presence. Yeah, and I think it's important, as you point out there, Owen, that as an agent, you have a license. That license is yours. You will obviously operate under your company's license also, but you have to earn your license. So therefore, building your portfolio within yourself on your LinkedIn. And as you say, if you do leave, that's the one thing you can bring with you, the experience 
time. And, you know, I think it's important that people build up and ages build up their reputation as well. Owen, it's been fabulous having you. Um, you mentioned being a mentor, finding a mentor. You've been a fantastic mentor to me over the last number of years, even if you don't even know it. Um, I really appreciate you kind of not giving out to me for robbing most of the stuff that you do. Uh, you introduced me to an awful lot of things like, you know, India reports and stuff that we know love and all my clients love. So thank you very much for that. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you the best in the future. Thank you very much, James. Delighted to be on and look forward to hearing from it. And hello to everyone in Cork. And I look forward to visiting the Cork Docklands as soon as possible.